Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. What is happening? What it is? It is the Sebi Podcast Show streaming only here on WNSC Radio. A familiar cast, perhaps the best in the business. You know, there's always been Jim Nance. There's always been Phil Sims. There's always been Mike Green, Mark Jackson. But coming to you, it's Michael Gray and Sebi right here on the Sebi Podcast Show streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Um, Mike, what's going on? What's going on, my man? Uh, it's a great Sunday, man. We had a great Final Four yesterday. It's a, it's, it's still currently the best time in sports for all sports fans, and I'm just, we just, I'm just enjoying the moment, man. How about you? What's going on with you, man? We're doing great. We're doing great here today. Um, a great weekend, great week of of sports uh, analysis to things to talk about. Um, you know, we've had some dark days as well. Um, shout out to Nipsey Hustle, Nipsey. Um, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but very in, inspirational to me in my upbringings. Um, you know, this modern era of music is really cool, but I, I grew up in the '90s, and so um, Nipsey definitely had uh, uh, in, inspiration that that you know couldn't really be explained, and so. Um, him being shot and 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 all of that turmoil that's going on right there that that kind of um made me sad in the last couple of the days. But nevertheless, I know he's at a good place there. So Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, Nipsey definitely left a left a, a big time legacy on the culture and, and on his family and he, he was a he was somebody that just always wanted to put to put out good energy, good vibes and and educate us on what we really need to be worried about. Like I remember a couple <laughs> Somewhere where he was talking, even at his at a young age when he first started rapping, talking about I don't want to buy I don't want to buy liabilities like you know jewelry and cars and stuff like that. I want assets. I want want to get into real estate. I want to uh, create real real wealth for my family. And you know he he was definitely a, a guy that was ahead of his time, man. And, and you're right, he used to listen to his music all the time growing up. You know his his music was you know real. Oh, his music <laughs> was bumping. <laughs> yeah, real rap. You know what I mean? Whatever. He had the real West Coast sound. You know what I'm saying? That's and right. why? why G and a few others were up and coming, and they came up together. And he was one of the he, he has a store in his own hood. You know I mean, so he was all about his community and stuff. So it was it's just, it's just it was it was sad to see to see him go like that. I you know continuously want to pray for his family and and especially his wife and his kids. And yes, yeah, so it was it was a tough it was a sad day, but I see you see the legacy that he's he's that he's left on this earth just off the the all the love that he's received this week. You know, what I mean, all the, he's received so much love this week that. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll be remembered forever. Indeed, he will. Uh, Nipsey, unfortunately, getting shot there outside of his um, block and hood out there in Los Angeles. And now we turn things to our expertise, Mike. Um, the Final Four in Minneapolis. Um, boy, were we in for a dandy? I mean, first of all, the first game from what from Virginia to Auburn. Um, this this was really good and. And yes. I think we spoke about this last week, talking <laughs> about the game of styles. You saw, we, we thought that, you know, if the game were in the 60s or in the 50s, that would favor Virginia because of their defensive prowess, um, the way that they can really stymie you on defense. And then, you know, you saw late with like two and a half to go, Virginia really suffocate Auburn up 10 with 230 to go. And then all of a sudden, Bryce Brown and Harper went on a run. This is the this is this and this is why I had Auburn winning this game because I thought that late in the ball game against a really good defense, I thought that there you need guards to break down a great defense. And I thought that Auburn had that. And you saw that with Bryce Brown late. You saw that with Harper, McCormick off the bench. And so late when Bryce Brown and Harper got hot and they went on a twelve will run, you thought that, you know, the game was quite in hands and then the play that everybody's talking about today, Mike. Was that a foul? Was that not a foul? Previously to two possessions earlier, was that a double dribble? Your thoughts on the game? Because that was a game for the ages. 
it was a game for the ages, and it, it, it was exactly the game I thought it was going to be because these are two teams that just go all out and they, they play physical, they play great basketball, and they find a way. Like you said, Bryce Brown and Jared Harper did not have the best first half. They did, they did not start off this game well. They started off very slow. UVA's defense got into them. Mama D. D. Akite was a was a force in the paint, like he always big has been time, in the big time. And 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 did this team was locking up, and they were playing great defense. It's tough as for this Virginia team, but somehow, some way, and that when it when it came to crunch time, late late in the game, that's when Bryce Brown started knocking down shots. Jared Harper started getting. Getting to the rim, uh, dribble penetration and stuff. Even even Sam Dowdy, the one who committed that foul, he was he was knocking down a few shots. That yes, he was. That, that definitely that definitely uh, <laughs> created some separation in the end. They just weren't able to close close the game out. Was that a foul at the end of the game? Was that a, let me start over right here? Was that a double dribble? Yes, it was a missed call. It was a double dribble. But at the end of the game, am I going to say that that was a bad call? No. That, was, was, a call, was, a that was a call that needed to be made. That was the right call. I know Bruce Pearl hated it. He's supposed to hate it. That's going against his team, and that was a chance. That was a, that was going against the shot of him winning the game. Yes, he, it was. He's supposed to be mad, but that was the right call. When you jump, when you jump for a shot, you're supposed to be able to land on two feet, fine with no contact. If if if, if the defender is stopping you or impeding your 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 way of landing on two feet, and 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 it draws some contact. Before you come down, that's a foul every time. If you're going to call that in the first half, you're going to call that in the second half. In my opinion, the referee was caught in a position where if he if he, if he made the call like he did, they were going to say it was a bad call. If he missed the call, then they, they were going to say, was that a foul? And then Virginia get robbed. Like, the story would have been flipped. So he was like, he the referee was saying that, okay, I'm, either way I'm going to get criticized, so I might as well make the, make the right call. And he made the right call. So I agree with the call. It was a great game. Shout out to to, to guy to Kyle guy for going in there and knocking those three free throws down. He was huge, Mike. Like, he was huge. He was he was amazing. And I got I actually got to give it out to uh, to number eleven, Golson. Uh, was it, was uh, Ty, Jerome. It? Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. Oh my goodness. Jerome was huge. Jerome was special. Yep. He was special. Like last last the last game he was he was doing okay, but it was guy who took over <laughs> in the second half against Purdue. And this in this game they keyed a lot on guy in, in the second half. And Jerome just took over. He was the opposite of him on those on those double double screen pin downs to get those open three point shots. And he 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 responded. He answered the call. And it just seems like this UVA team can win in so many different ways. They have so many different players that step up. Man, but they but the consistent players that they have, DeAndre Hunter on defense, Diakite on defense. Auburn, Auburn was game today. Auburn Auburn was game. They they were able to this was UVA style of play. But right. they were able to they were able to adjust. And, and I second. thought and I thought that Auburn Oh, they had to play. They were forced. Well, I mean, yeah, they yes. were forced to play UVA's game, um, yes. which is outside of of their comfort zone. But I thought they played well defensively in a game where that's really out of their characteristic. You know, they want to run and gun. They want to push transition, even off some made baskets. You saw that Auburn wanted to push the pace and and get things going. Where um the speed and the pace of Harper, yet um Virginia did an excellent job coming back on defense to set up their half court deep. Um, so in a game where, you know, things, everything favored Virginia, I thought that Auburn really stuck in and they played well enough to win that game. Unfortunately, and sadly that, that, you know, that costly three point shot, that foul that he had there, not giving the opponent a chance to land really affected him. It was a foul. I'll give you it was a foul. Personally for me, I, 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 I it t- pains me because it's tough for a ref to make a call at that position. No you doubt. look at the play numerous times, you're going back on the replays and you do the play-by-play and, and watch the playback, it was a foul. Right. So, um, nevertheless, a great season for Bruce Pearl's team. Um, and, 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 you know, if, if I'm AD for, for the Auburn Tigers, you know, the assistant director there, I need to give Mr. Bruce Pearl an extension. I mean, he's, he's taken the Auburn Tigers to their first program's Final Four. That hasn't been done ever. So, um, I expect Bruce Pearl to be there for a very long time. And, um, you know, hats off to Auburn. And, and you, you want to go back and look at what Auburn did. Auburn beat three Blue Bloods to get here. They, they'd beaten Kansas. They walloped Kansas. They'd beaten a great North Carolina team that I think a lot of people thought would be national champions. I know I did. And then you also, they also beat Kentucky with P.J. Washington coming back and without their best player. And so on a on a momentum run like that, that's why I had Auburn winning because I saw how, what 
you know, their their destination to get here, the road that they took. I thought that they really deserved to get here and were uh, just a Cinderella team. They had really beaten quality teams. And so hats off to them. Charles Barkley, I know you're having a heart attack somewhere. Oh, man, I you know, know he was going through it. <laughs> I know he was. <laughs> but the program of basketball in Auburn, the sky's the limit for them. You, 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 you're absolutely right. The sky's the limit for Auburn. This is a great team. This is a team that's only on the rise in the future. They have some NBA players on that roster. Oh, yeah, no uh, doubt. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I got to get a hat off to UVA as well because th- that that's one of the main reasons why I had UVA. And, and that's game. my thing. How's Virginia buzzing today? What's Virginia's mood today? What they, what's their mood? Oh, they, oh, well, well, last night they, I know they were probably jumping for joy going crazy. They're probably still, they're probably still happy right now. But at this point in time, if I'm, if I'm UVA, I'm, I'm, I'm looking past this game. I'm thinking about Texas Tech. I'm not even thinking about, uh, the Auburn game because the Auburn game's in the past. We got a championship to win tomorrow night. So at this, at this point in time, I'm sure they're probably ecstatic and still feel, got, got the juices flowing and they're still feeling good about themselves. But right now, I know, I know coach, coach Bennett is definitely letting his guys know. Hey, we, we got a we got a monster coming in. This this Texas this Texas Tech defense is it can, can match up with ours, and we have to be that much more solid and that much more sound. So I know they they definitely got their eyes on Monday. Well, well, you know, let's get right into it, Mike. You know, Texas Tech. Let's 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 switch gears here into the second national semifinal. Texas Tech. Right. Let me tell you something, Mike. Texas Tech. Man, watching this Red Raiders team last night. Um, uh, we all know how great Chris Beard is. He won Associated President. Um, coach of the year, well deserved for him. Um, I expect them to get a raise as well. Um, the phenomenal job that he's done in three years turning that program um, from Texas Tech to all of a sudden a powerhouse to compete with Kansas in the Big 12, and now what they're doing in the national stage against these top teams. Chris Beard definitely deserves an extension, much like uh, 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 Bruce Pearl in Auburn as well. But watching this Texas Tech team, I mean, they opened my eyes. The way that they can defend, man, that is scary. Tariq uh-huh. Owens, uh, before he got hurt, I know he came back. Um, props to the brother. You know, he had to go in the locker room, get nicked up, and he got nicked up a little bit. Uh, probably got some sprays, wrapped it up, went back in. But when he's inside the paint, he is a defensive anchor. And then you got Muncie and and uh, and the other guard. I can't remember his name. Um, Mike, Mike Mooney? Moody, you got Moody, Matt Moody, who who was huge. He was the offensive star of the game. Yes, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of the other guard. I can't remember it right now, but we can look it up. But when yeah. you when uh, collectively, this is what I like about this Texas Tech team for a team that's so young that's never been here in their program history. They look not phased. They look poised. They take the personality of their head coach and Chris Beard, tough, gritty, never. Um, you know, overzealous, like n- never panicking in moments. You knew that Michigan State would make a run because obviously they've been here and done that. But to come down the stretch and for Chris Beard to give the ball to his lottery pick manager, Culliver, three straight possessions and say, hey, Culliver, you've got a bad game, bad shooting night, deliver us from misery and get us to the championship game. I mean, I, I love what they got, contributions off the bench with Francis and Edwards as well. Texas Tech to me, Man, they've been impressive to me. I look, I had these cats losing um to Buffalo in in, in the second round. And uh, cuz you know, I had the Buffalo were my little Cinderella team to make it far this year. Gotcha. They, they get through that. They get through the Wolverines in the sweet, in the Sweet 16. They get past uh excuse me. They get past um uh excuse me. Uh Yes, they get past the Wolverines in the Sweet 16. They get past Gonzaga. A team that I everybody thought would be a national championship contender as well. Elite eight. And then I said, oh, there's no way they're getting past Tom Izzo. I mean, come on. They just beat Duke. This is a team that's been here seven times. Uh, Texas hasn't been here ever in the Final Four. There's no way they get past that. And they get past that. I'm, I'm done doubting Texas Tech. This team is for real. And, and look, man, they can flat out defend. They can flat out defend, Mike. They... They they definitely can, man. They're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. And I saw it last the last game against Gonzaga. I was watching that game tenfold, and, and, watch, and while I was watching that game, I was noticing uh, Tariq Owens and and and, and noticing uh, how they defend and how in the second half they just they with their with their defense, their 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 ability to make shots, 
and, and knock down shots that can demoralize you as a team. Like, oh, well, wow. We had this game at first, in the first half, but the way they're defending now, the way they're making shots, they make you panic a little bit if you're on the offensive side, on the opposing side. And it's, it's, it's a joy to watch this. What they did to Michigan State yesterday, holding them to 21 points in the first half, and then I think that boosted their confidence to a, to a major degree where in the second half, they were just letting it fly, having fun. Matt Mooney was un- unbelievable in that second half. I Huge. mean, they, they came out the gates and they just started hitting shots after shots after shots. And it was it was it was predicated off the, what their defense was able to do, like you said. Tariq Owens was 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 amazing on the defensive side, offensively as well, knocking down some key shots. And Mike and Matt Mooney was amazing. Edwards and Francis off the bench, like you said. Uh, Jared Culver didn't have the best shooting night, uh, but uh, but when it when it counted most, he knocked down that big three to put him up by seven uh, late late in the second half. Uh, knocked down those those key free throws. Um, it, it was it was a great all around game all uh, for for Texas Tech. Odiasi, he's a special player as well because of what he can do on the defensive side. He yes. was out there testing three-point shots. He was ripping the ball out of Cassius Winston's hands every time he came down on the block. It's like this is a very – they have two physical two physical players on the inside. Right. When, when and they, they've home. got depth there. I like that. And they got depth. Yeah, they got, they got, yep. they got depth on the inside. And then they, when you have depth on the inside, they can play solid defense. And you have uh, uh, some pretty good perimeter shooting. That bodes well for your team, man. This team plays together. No matter what the situation is, no matter if they miss shots, no matter if they're making shots, they have the same mentality. They just want to go for it and they want to keep playing. They keep playing no matter what, and I think that's a that's a testament to the to the great coaching that they have. And this is a fun team to watch. This team, we cannot say that this team doesn't deserve. This team deserves to be where they are right now. They've earned this. They've earned this spot. They just came off beating the highest scoring team in the nation, and then one of the top, one of the top teams that I had actually winning the national championship. <laughs> This weekend, after this weekend in Michigan State, right? This holding them to fifty-one points after the points that they put up this tournament is is very impressive. And this defense continues to roll. And oh man, I can't wait to see this this matchup on Monday. We're, we're, we're gonna have a defensive battle on our hands, Sebi. Oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt. In 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 an age where they say defense won championships, well, that bides for every <laughs> every sport. You know that there's gonna be. Defense in the championship game over or under maybe a hundred. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some outstanding defense in this game. And, and Mike, um, in a game where you know Michigan State and Texas Tech played, the alma maters were actually the stars, and even the quarterbacks. You know, how could Texas Tech lose? I mean, you've got Patrick Mahomes and you've got Kirk Cousins. Well, Texas Tech won the game. Texas Tech alma mater has the better quarterback. We would say that Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, uh, uh, Pat Mahomes is better than Kirk Cousins. Oh, so, <laughs> so how could Texas Tech Red Raiders lose? I mean, That's they true. were just having fun last night. But I want to go ahead and, and take a listen here to what Jay Billis had to say about this Texas Tech team and um, the accomplishment and what they did against a very good Michigan State team. And they held them to a season-low 51 points, which, I mean – for Michigan State, that's unheard of. Let's take a listen to Jay Billis and what he had to say there. The Texas Tech defense that was the star of the game. Matt Mooney was the offensive star with his 22 points and the way they really drove the ball in the second half. In the first half, I thought Texas Tech settled for a lot of jump shots. In the second half, they started driving it. And when they were driving it, they were getting to the bucket. That opens up some things on the perimeter for Matt Mooney. But late in the game, you know, Texas Tech just made so many big plays, and their defense was just absolutely spectacular. And, look, Michigan State had some opportunities, but there weren't very many good ones. And they never really were able to get the ball inside all that much. They got it into Nick Ward a few times in the second half. But the paint was just about closed off. And the guards were the only scorers. Uh, Matt McQuaid in the first half had nine points. Cassius Winston had nine points. But really, there was nowhere consistent they could find offense. It was only the free throw line where they were able to to get some points. And to be held to 51 points, even though it was, as you said, 52-51, uh, they didn't score down the stretch. But to be held to 51 points, that just shows how great this Texas Tech defense is. It, it is absolutely spectacular. They say that, that defense wins championships. Well, defense is going to win a championship yeah. in 2019. <laughs> Defense or Texas Techs, it's going to be defense. That was Jay Billis there, and he had some key points, man. It's, uh, defense, uh, one defense is going to win on on uh, uh, Monday night out there in Minneapolis in U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, but I want to pass this to you, Mike. I mean, the, 
I thought that coming in this game, Caster Swinson was the best player on the floor, but I thought that Michigan State had an advantage, and that would be inside with Nick Ward, Kenny Gordon, yeah. Coleman because of the size of Michigan State. Well, like he said, Odiasi and Owens, they really clogged up the paint. I mean, uh, yes, Nick Ward had a couple baskets in late in that second half, but uh, since then, I mean, they really, really made adjustments and really made life miserable for Cassius Winston, McQuay, and all of the guards outside from Michigan State. They sure did. And, and to get to your point about Nick Ward, yeah, you're right. Nick, they, one thing about the, about the Nick Ward situation with Odiasi and Owens, they made it tough on him. They consistently made it, like, even when he did get a couple of easy baskets inside, he had to work extremely hard for him. And sometimes when you get down there and you, you're continuously banging with other big bodies just like you, sometimes you get reluctant to go there, you, you get re- reluctant to play your game because it's so physically uh, wearing on your body. They're wearing tail on your body throughout the game. It, it really tests your conditioning. So they really made it tough on Ward and, and Tillman inside, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was tough sledding for them. But as far as um, – as far as as far as looking at Cassius Winston, they the, the the length the length of this team is what is what caused Cassius Winston to have an off game. He shot four for sixteen from the field. They only had sixteen points. Uh, it was very uncharismatic of Cassius Winston. And I want to say something about that, Mike. Um, you saw what Chris Beard did. Um, you know, strategically, I don't know if it was a tactician move or whatever. He he put his best player. That happens to be his best offensive player in Jared Culver. That happens to be also his best perimeter defender uh, yeah. as well in Jared Culver against Cassius Winston, who's only 6'3". Jared, Jared Culver's a legit 6'7", six, 6'8", six, with a 7'6 wingspan. I mean, this brother can slide his feet. I think next level, when you look at the NBA, this guy has a really bright future. I mean, yes. I love his attitude. He can – a game like this, where your school history has never been there, you have an off night – a lot of young t- cats and a lot of young talents would really be bothered by this. But defensively, he made an impact guarding Cassius Winston. I mean, he made life miserable for him and definitely used his size and frame against him. Yes, yes. The, the, the ability for him to move on the perimeter and to move his feet and switch side to side and stay with stay with a guard at his side is amazing. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a great job by Beard to put him on the, to put him on Winston. He made he made life tough for him. Cassius yeah, Winston yeah. It got to it got to a point where in the second half he. He started second guessing some of his uh, moves and some of the some of the plays some of the plays that he wanted to run, and he wasn't as aggressive as as, as we thought he we, he could have been because of that length and because of the size and because of the the the, the physicality of Texas Tech and they they made they consistently made it tough on him. It's like you're not going to stop this Michigan State team because they have so many weapons all over the all over the court, but you can make it tough on them, and that's exactly what Texas Tech did. And certain teams can handle that physicality and know how to adjust to it and and, and, and continue to play that game. And some teams, it, it makes them second guess. It makes them, it makes them hesitant to, to make that move again because they know what's coming to them. And that's exactly what happened with Michigan State in this game. They were second guessing in the second half with a lot of the opportunities that they had. They realized how physical and how how gritty this Texas Tech team really is on the on that side of the ball. And and it started to get in their head. And 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 and, and we see who the winner was. It, it holding them to fifty one points, like Jay Billis said, it pretty much speaks for itself, man. This. It was it was a bomb burner for, for for the Texas Tech on the defensive side, and they made key plays on the offense in order to, to cap to cap this win as well. But it was a great season for Michigan State. They just ran into a better team at, at the run. They ran into the wrong team at the at the wrong time. This Texas Tech team is rolling right now, and and they they were a better team than last night. Indeed, so and I have a feeling that this Tom Izzo team isn't done yet. Tom Izzo will be back in this position someday. Great hats to the Michigan State Spartans for a great year as well. But we're calling out all defensive players in the NFL. If you love 12 to 9 games, 13 to 10 games, field goal games, if you are a Pittsburgh Steelers or a Ravens fan, you like that old rivalry, we are calling you Monday night. Texas Tech and Virginia, the the Red Raiders and the Cavaliers will be a dogfight on Monday night. If you want defense, we'll have a plethora of them for you. I think uh, over-under will be 100 in that game. But nevertheless, we will be ready for the final game and we'll crown a new champion of basketball Monday night in Minneapolis. Folks, when we come back, don't go anywhere because the best tandem in the business, myself and Michael Gray, we'll go ahead and touch up on some hot teams in the NBA. And it's all coming up here on the Sebi Podcast Show.
streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alwyn Jr. And we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to SEBI Podcast Crew for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs, and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you. Welcome those of you again inside of our studio, inside here on the SEBI podcast show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio, the familiar gang, SEBI, Michael Gray, product of Virginia Union that's going nuts, going crazy. They're throwing fits, throwing flame makers out there in the streets of Virginia. They're Cavaliers headed to their first ever national title game in school history. Uh, Should be fun times there. And we switch gears into the NBA here. Um, Some of the hottest teams that are in the association, some of the hottest teams now. But first, when we start off, Mike, I want to go ahead and talk about a new feature here. That's right. We got a new feature. We could have some listeners call in. That's right. You want to call in and tune in on discuss any of our topics. You can call us here on the hotline. That is 187. That's 1877 453 7329. Again, that's 1877 453 DALPAD SEBY. If you want to chime in and talk about anything, any topic, any thoughts of what you want to chime with us here and discuss in our discussions here. And again, if you want to call out here on the hotline, the only place to have that is right here on the SEBI podcast radio show. And Mike, with some of the hottest themes that we want to start off in, in the association here, uh, any any of them that stand out to you? I mean, you know, you've got the Western Conference. The Jazz has been red hot. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, Gobert, Ingles. I mean, they are on another stratosphere right now. You're, you're any any surprising or hot teams that are rounding in the form come postseason time? I have a surprising team and I have a hot team. My hot team right now that's rounding into form as I figured they would um, all season long. I've been on them and I've, I, I, I predicted them at the beginning of the season to go to the finals. It's the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are rounding into form. That they actually, Brad Stevens has a system, and when when they're all clicking and they're playing defense. It's over. It's a wrap for the entire Eastern Conference. I, I, I really do feel this this team needed an entire season to figure things out. Gordon Hayward needed an entire season to get his legs under him, to get his, well, ankle, you his know. ankle feeling, well, his you ankle know, feeling better. This is news to my ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know it is. Uh, so, be a big Celtics fan, my guy. But I've, I've been high on the Celtics all season long, man. I, I really have. And I feel like when it comes to playoff time and if games really count, and the game slows down, and you have to, you, and you play legitimate defense. This, the, I don't, I don't see a team in the Eastern Conference beating the Celtics four times in a, in a playoff series. I just don't see it. And this team right now, with Kyrie, the way Kyrie Irving is playing, the way J, uh, J, Jason Tatum is playing, uh, uh, Gordon, Gordon Hayward, he was, he's been amazing the last few games, especially the game at Miami and the game last, the other night against the Indiana Pacers when they just, they just took him out in Indiana. They, I think, I think they found for the first because they, because Sebi, they're going to face Indiana in the first round. I'm, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it uh, with Boston with saying this. Now that Victor Oladipo is out, they found a formula in beating Indiana. That, that's pretty. That's pretty simple. Bogdanovich is their best offensive player. Now that Oladipo is out, you right. stop Bogdan. You stop Bogdanovich. You stop their team. Right. If Sabonis as well. Sabonis is pretty good off the bench. So yep. Sabonis is pretty good as well. But if he's not putting up twenty five, his twenty five means nothing. If but if he doesn't have his sidekick and Bogdanovich uh, putting up numbers against this Boston team, who's as deep as as they come, you know, Sabonis by himself is not going to beat this Boston team. So he needs his combination of Bogdanovich and Sabonis. It's hard to stop Sabonis in the paint because of the fact that Al Horford is a is a it's a mismatch. Al Horford can hold his own, but Sabonis has the size. 
on him on Baines as well. He has the size. So Sabonis is going to get that left extremely hand. Extremely skilled as well. And, and yep. Extremely skilled. He can get that left hand hook shot, hook shot, uh, hook shot up with ease. So he's going to get his inside the paint. But if you lock, if you lock down Bogdanovich, you take away this entire team. And that's exactly what they did on Friday. And that's what I anticipate them doing uh, in, in a seven-game series matchup with them in the first round. My surprising team that's actually been on the road that a lot of people aren't talking about right now is the Orlando Magic. Come on, man. Come on, come on, Michael. Come on, Michael. Oh, my goodness. You can't do that. That was this, my pick. <laughs> this is, oh, Because we, I'm telling you, great minds think alike, Sevy. I mean, this Orlando Magic team is special. The, the way they play. DJ Augustine is a is a proven veteran who's got this, who's getting these players involved. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is putting up big numbers. Terrence Ross is a low-key Sneaky in the conversation of six man of the year with, with what this brother has been doing this year. The only reason he's not in the top three or four of six man player of the year is because of their record and because the Orlando Magic haven't been a, a team on national television. So you're not able to see what this brother has been doing. But he's been very consistent all season long coming off the bench, putting up 20, point, 20 points a game, sometimes 30 points, th- th- 30 point games off the bench. He's, he's an absolute scorer, man. And he gives them a punch off the bench that they need. The other day against the Atlanta Hawks, albeit against the Atlanta Hawks, they put up 149 points. This team, when they play together as a team, they get contributions from everybody. Vucevic, uh, who was a who was an All Star this season, continuing to prove, continuing to put up big numbers. Uh, Boston and Orlando are two teams that I'm really looking at that are that are doing their thing. Uh, Portland Trailblazers, I want to look at as well because without C.J. McCollum, they really were balling. They, you know, they they they've proven how they can win in so many different ways. And when C.J. McCollum comes back, he's just gonna fall right back into that mode. Seth Curry has stepped his game up. Enos Kanter has stepped his game up on the defensive side of the ball uh, without um with the absence of Yusuf Nurkic. He's he's not the best defender. You uh, Enos Kanter is. He's not the best defender in the world, but he's actually putting in the work. He's actually trying and he's and he's defending and 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 that effort right there, along with his skill set offensively, can help them. And we all know the. The type of leadership that Dame Dollar has shown this season. He's, oh he's my been, man! He's, One of my he's, favorite He's just taking that leadership, even when he's not scoring. He's doing other things. He's playing. He's playing uh, some pretty good defense. He's um, he's getting out of transition. His assist. His assist is going up tremendously. I mean, the brothers. He's just special. He's taking. He's really. He's a proven leader in that team. He's a team that they, that that um. He's a player that the team actually galvanizes around. They all respect him on this team. They love Damian Lillard. They love his mentality, and they and everybody just rallies around him, and they they all carry that same mentality. There's there are some teams out there that that are very sleeping on. Those are my three teams that I'm, I've been paying attention to the last few weeks. Of damn, they're 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 really getting hot at the right time before right before the playoffs. Definitely there. And, you know, I want to start off here in the Magic Kingdom. You know, you can't come here to Orlando if you don't go to Disney's Magical Kingdom. Well, the city has been buzzing. Mike, you know, I I go downtown. I I can't cross any corners here um, without hearing a fan buzzing about the Orlando Magic. This is a franchise in the Orlando Magic that hasn't been in the playoffs in six straight seasons. Mm -hmm. And so for fans, for the camaraderie, for the young cats, for the young kids. This is music to their ears. I mean, the vibe, the electricity here is unlike any other down here in downtown Orlando. You go to Pine Street, you hear Magic fans roaring. You go to Wall Street, you hear fans roaring. I mean, it has been exceptional what the Magic have been doing. I mean, think about this, Mike. And and, and you bring up great point with Terrence Ross, who's been excellent for them. He's the only guy off the bench. He'll he'll have an NBA record. Only guy off the bench to score 200 three-pointers and never start Mm. a game. That's insane. I mean, that's a stat that the great Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford has never done. To come off the bench for 82 straight games and score over 200 threes in a season, that's how great this guy's been. I don't think he'll win this six-round of the year, but he's got an excellent shot to be in the discussion. And Nick Vucevic. You know, I I, I mean, Nick Vucevic (laughs) is an all-star. This guy had 29 double-doubles last Mm -hmm. year, Mike. He's on pace to get six, (laughs) doubling his total from last year. I mean, mean, he has just – been the anchor offensively for this Orlando Magic's team. They have rallied around him. Uh, Steve Clifford deserves some coach of the year recognition as well. The Magic, I mean, if they get in, they might not even be a, a, a eight seed. They'll be as high as a six right. seed because they would have won their division. Right. 
I mean, the meaning that they would avoid the Bucks and potentially the Toronto Raptors in the first round and would have to play the Sixers where it stands right now in the Eastern Conference, although Boston has an outside chance to right, get a three seed right. as well. Um, but, I mean, the Magic has just been playing phenomenal. Terrence Ross off the bench. I, Jonathan Isaac, who's a legit 6'10", 6'11", wing, wing, wing mm-hmm. threat. And then you got Bumper off the bench. You got Cats. I did get DJ Augustine, um, you know, controlling and orchestrating yep. the offense. The Magic has been excellent to watch, and they're hot right now. Nine and one in their hey, last ten games. Hey, did I you mean, see that fake that fake me out he did on Trey Young? <laughs> oh man, oh man, he that that's some old school and one hot yes, sauce sir. type. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm in the paint, give you a little sugar shrug, ball fake, turn around, nothing but the bottom of the net. But hey, you know the magic has been excellent. It, it, it's 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 fun to be here. You know what they say when you're Orlando native. You may not be a fan, but at heart you're right. a fan. So um, it, it's it's been exciting to see the city buzzing and 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 going crazy like this. Um, hopefully, we don't have any massacres in the streets, you know. But um, it, it's been great to have to see how this team has performed. Even Aaron Gordon playing a different type of role this season, being a two way player, and I thought that he could. He's always had that size. Um, and tenacity, it was just effort with them. And so he's playing defense. I think the Magics are buying into playing defense in their last 9 out of 10 stretch here. They got a big game against Boston Monday night, but if they can wrap up these next two games, I think that they would do a great job avoiding the Bucks and the Raptors in a first-round series for an early exit. And then when I look in the Western Conference, the Jazz, I mean, I think, you know, this is no surprise. I brought it up. As a spoiler alert, early on in this segment, the Jazz has been red hot. Um, right now, you know, you, you have Donovan Mitchell, who's just a killer. Who's a killer. Does, doesn't he remind you of a young Victor Oladipo with a mix of D-Wade yeah, in him? Yeah, he, I definitely he, was getting ready to say D-Wade. He reminds me a lot of a young D-Wade, especially, especially D-Wade. what he did last, last year in the playoffs. I can only anticipate what he's going to do this year. Oh, exactly. And, and, and Wade, kind of like with those traits, Wade came out of Marquette with, with that killer assassin right. as well. Um, although he's going to be last last season, and I'll be tuning into his last home game as well for Dwayne Wade before retirement. But Donovan Mitchell reminds me a lot of those characteristics. And then you got Ingles. You have Gobert, a defensive player of the year candidate. A lot of people are not speaking about him. And then, of course, you're coached by the greatness of a Quinn Snyder, this Jazz team, I'm I'm gonna say right now, I have them as a sneaky team in the <laughs> West. I love how they play. I've been on this Jazz bandwagon for a very long time. I love the additions of Crowder that brings some toughness off the bench. O'Neal can play some defense and score as well. They it might they have a lot of three and D yeah, guys. They do. Yes, That's they what do. I like. A lot of three and D guys. You see, Crowder can come off mm-hmm. the bench, give you three point shots, and then right. defend. I love that. Grayson Allen, uh, he comes from Duke. You know he's going to buy into playing defense. I love what they're doing out there in Salt Lake City. Jazz, a, a dangerous team. Dangerous team in that wild, wild west. The, the, the Jazz are definitely a dangerous team. You, you make up a great point. And, um, and, right, and, right now, and right now, I feel like if, if once they get into the playoffs, everything will make sense for them because how they defend, <laughs> how they play as a unit. You know what I mean? How Ricky Rubio is out there just orchestrating, so similar to what DJ Augustine can do. He's just orchestrating the offense and, and making things happen. And the, the way that they play defense is abs- is absolutely amazing. Outstanding. It's, 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 Outstanding. it's, it's special what we have what we have out there in Utah. And you're right. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see the matchup that they have in the uh, playoffs and who who they have to face, who they have to run into because they're a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams, especially the Western Conference, because Gobert inside is so tough. So tough inside. It's so tough to score and go bare in the in the post. And uh, right right now, as it stands, they would have to play the Trailblazers in the first in the first round and with the, with that four or five matchup. And we'll see, man. They they, they could they could potentially give Portland some problems, man. It's it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great series and great matchup. But I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see what Donovan Mitchell does this year in the playoffs. No doubt, no doubt. There, a young killer in Donovan Mitchell in his early rookie season, eight forty point games. Uh, eight 30-point games, excuse me, five 40-point games. It's, it's going to be exciting to see what he does for an encore performance in this postseason.
And lastly, folks, when we come back, myself and Michael Gray, we'll go ahead and touch upon some of the biggest storylines that sent shockwaves to the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. Apparently, they were toxic together. Mm. We'll discuss. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hello, my name is Ian Saunders with Saunders Property Group, powered by Home Expo Realty. I'm a sponsor, proud sponsor, and a big fan of the SEBI podcast show. Make sure you tune in. Just wanted to share uh, a few nuggets with you about the Central Florida real estate market. Uh, Population growth is about 7%, which is among the top in the country, especially here in Central Florida. And I got news for you. If you're a renter, average rent is about $1,600 a month. What if I told you you can purchase a home, a $200,000 home, and pay less than that? Well, we can show you how. Uh, Just wanted to be sure that you guys understand that at this point, interest rates have dropped to a 10-month low, so that means the money is cheap and you get more bang for your buck. So if you're looking to learn more, definitely touch bases with me. Definitely tune in to SEBI Podcast Show. And in fact, hashtag SEBI Podcast Show, and I'll help you get lender credits, pay off your closing costs. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a good one. Michael Gray, Sebi on the Sebi Podcast Show, the hotline 1-877-453-7329. That's 1-877-453-7329 or 1-877-453-TEXT-SEBY-SEBI. Hotline here to chime with us here on the Sebi Podcast Show. Our next segment here, Aaron Rodgers, the bad man that Aaron Rodgers is. We can all agree. I mean, I, I've in my lifetime, I didn't get a chance to see Dan Marino. But when watching clips, he's probably one of the best ever to throw the football. But Aaron Rodgers is in that same discussion. Uh, just uh, from a talent perspective, he could throw the football 60, 70 yards downfield off his back foot. I've never seen anything quite like that. Well, apparently, in his early 13th-year career in Green Bay, the 34-year-old Aaron Rodgers had a lot of locker room issues with head coach Mike McCarthy. An article early on this week, Mike, said that a lot of previous teammates, Jermichael Finley to Greg Jennings, reaching out and stating in this article, they giving their quote saying that there was a lot of tension, a lot of friction, toxic in that locker room. Well, Mike, can this actually be true? Can it actually be difficult to coach or to manage the greatness that's in an all-time great like in Aaron Rodgers? Yes, it can be difficult because he's he's such a brilliant mind of the of the game, and that he 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 understands what he wants to do, and and he's so talented that he that that yeah, it can be difficult at times. But I think if you're a coach that that understands creativity, that understands understands uh, mixing it up and, and adjusting to what the defense throws at you, and adjusting to what uh and adjusting to everything that an opposing team can throw at you, I feel like and, and you're 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 very knowledgeable about the game yourself. I feel like you can coach Aaron Rodgers without a doubt. Uh, it's, a, it's a couple. It's a couple. It's a couple points. It's a couple points I want to. I want to point out about this Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy beef. Apparently, apparently, this started back in the 2005 draft when Rodgers held a grudge towards McCarthy, who at the time was with the San Francisco 49ers. He That's right. Take Alex Smith over him. So this has been going on for a while. But throughout the years, through, throughout the years when the team was winning and the offense was looking as lethal as they were. You know, it started to die down and go, and go into the closet, and then, the, you know, then the beef, then the beef started to come back, and a Rod, a Rod had built up such a a fascinating reputation for himself that he started to get a pass with some of his antics. You know, it was reported, it was reported that notoriously, notoriously throughout his career, even and especially last season, that Aaron Rodgers was was big on, on changing McCarthy's play calls. He changed about 33 percent of the snap uh, as far as their play calling and stuff. So. And uh, one thing that one thing I will say is that I have a, a former teammate that I played with here at Virginia Union that actually got picked up by the, by the Green Bay Packers um, a couple of seasons ago, and he spent training camp with them. He stayed all the way uh, up until training camp until he finally got released. And when he came back and talked to us about Aaron Rodgers and about his experience with Green Bay, he was telling us that um, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers is he, one of the best, one of the most talented quarterbacks ever. He's he's a great player. He, he's absolutely right. But all the rumors are true about about him as possibly being, you know, possibly being an a hole and stuff. That's that's Aaron Rodgers. That's who that's who he is. He's that type of person. And um, you know, hearing him say that and hearing people like Greg Jennings, Greg Jennings' comments were saying that as far as far as Mike McCarthy is concerned, um, when while he was in Green Bay. And Mike McCarthy had that mentality. You know, he was the play caller, so he had that. Well, mentality. well, let's let's not spoil it yet, Mike. Let let's let the listeners hear what Aaron Rodgers, uh, what uh, Greg Jennings, a former Packer, had to say about this champion yes. of the Green Bay Packers in 2011 and Super Bowl 45 with Aaron Rodgers, one of his main man targets in that season when Aaron Rodgers hoisted his first Lombardi Trophy. Uh, let's take a listen to what Greg Jennings himself had to say about this. Okay. And undisputed. I just recall in games where, yes, rightfully so, Aaron would grow frustrated because you're talking about, and I'm I'm very critical of Aaron, and I'm not saying he's not to blame. You have to. He 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 definitely plays his role in this, but when it comes to being on that football field and making plays, Aaron Rodgers has always been able to do that. And one thing that I feel has limited him and his ability has been Mike McCarthy in allowing him to just go. And I get it. As a head coach, do you need to manage a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Yes. But he started out, I believe, managing Aaron Rodgers pretty well. But I think what happened was Aaron knew it was only going to be a matter of time. Mm. Because his his ability was going to outlast and outperform and kind of outgrow what was in front of him as far as scheme. And the more Mike McCarthy switched defensive coordinators, the more Aaron absorbed from the different schemes defensively, and he learned how to decipher and literally doctor and just depict defenses, pick them apart because of what he was able to absorb from all these different defensive coordinators, it allowed him to grow at an escalated rate. And so I think that kind of jumped in McCarthy's face like, whoa, I'm dealing with a guy who is extremely smart now, who I've given all this knowledge to, that now his skill set and what I'm able to provide for him, he doesn't feel like I'm giving him enough. Mm. And quite frankly, being in that locker room, I grew frustrated with the play calls that time. I was... I voiced it. Like, what are we doing? Because when we would get leads, we saw it years ago in the NFC Championship game against Seattle. Seattle in Seattle, where it just grew stale. There was no, there was no aggressiveness play calling where there should have been. And I think that's what kind of allowed this relationship to just continue to go south. Uh, there's a lot of other things that are mentioned in this article uh, that. That was Greg Jennings there giving his thoughts on Undisputed there, um, who's obviously direct intel being in that locker room right. at this time out there in Green Bay. Your thoughts on that? Mike? Yeah, I, and, and like like you just said, him being he, he won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, him being in that locker room for years and years, uh, even even back with the birth off days, he he knows he knows what he's talking about. So oh you yeah, have to, you, def, you definitely have to give, have to give him credit where credit is deserved. I, I see what he's talking about, like. The play calling, like Mike McCarthy, has the old school mentality of, oh, I, I, if I get this play calling, if I have the play calling, and I have these guys, and if it works this time, it's gonna work forever. That's not how the NFL works, and it, sometimes you can lose your players with that mentality, but with the lack of creativity, with the play calling, the lack of creativity. Because think about it, NFL defenses are gonna they study film like crazy. NFL players study film constantly, week by week. Even in the offseason, they're constantly studying film and looking at looking for tendencies. If you continue continuously have the same playbook and continuously do the same thing over and over again, these defenses are going to key on it, and you're not going to look as successful as you once looked. No matter how good Aaron Rodgers is, you can't. You know what I'm saying? So you can't. You can't keep. You can't keep with these consistent play calls and and, and think that it's going to work. Especially, especially even in games. Some if you keep with the same play call. <laughs> Even certain defenses like that NFC Championship game, what he was talking about against Seattle. Yes, yes, they may have gotten off to a hot start offensively. Yes, they yes they may have looked good off early on, but Seattle's defensive coordinator may have adjusted to that by halftime. 
he may have realized what you was doing by halftime. And by that point, it was over for you because he, because they have that type of defense where they could just they could just stifle you. And it was a wrap for you at that point because you didn't mix it up and you didn't get creative. And like Greg Jennings said, he if he can lose you at wide receiver, if he could be a wide receiver and, and, it, and it can mess with him mentally, then what do you think it's going to do for Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? And on top of the fact that you already don't have the, the best of relationships with him. So I think, I think you're right. <coughs> Excuse me. I think the ability, I think the, the, the inability to, to get creative with the play call and the, and the inability to, to, um, to manage Aaron Rodgers is what led to Mike McCarthy get, uh, going, going out the door. Because you can get somebody that can coach Aaron Rodgers. You can't get another Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and I want to bring this up to you, Mike, is when we look at the totality in the career of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I, like I said, I think outside of Dan Marino, um, probably one of the best throwers I've ever seen. You see Dan Marino when he played. He had a four-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. Right, I mean, right. Aaron Rodgers has that and has obliterated numbers. I mean, right, he's right. got, a, a, I think, a crazy ratio from, like, 380 or 90 touchdowns to only 140, 150 interceptions. I mean, he really doesn't turn the ball over that well. So when you look at Aaron Rodgers' legacy, being played 13 years as a starter, only one championship, do we look at that and we say Mike McCarthy, the old school mindset that he had where you see these new cats, you see the um, Cliff Kingsbury, you see the uh, Charlotte Bay, you see these innovative guys, the Matt Nagy's, the new right. new age form of coaching. If Aaron Rodgers had that, would he thrive and be successful at that? Do, so do we attribute that the lack of success of Green Bay to Mike McCarthy? And, and do we attribute that as a downside to Aaron Rodgers' career? You're, you're, what do you think about that? I think we attribute it more to Mike McCarthy, and we got to we got to we have to look at it uh, in its totality when we're talking about the legacy of Aaron Rodgers, because because we know what Mike McCarthy has done as far as the play calling. We know that he's had an shown an inability to get creative with the play calling, and it's and it's took a toll on Aaron Rodgers as well. You can see when the Aaron Rodgers or throughout the years, he has one Super Bowl ring, and when he won that one Super Bowl, I said, oh, for years and years to come, they're only going to get better because they. Oh yeah, no Rodgers, doubt, no doubt. And they're only going to get better, so I felt like he was going to get more rings in time. But the problem is, outside of that year, outside of that year, that defense, he hasn't had a defense nowhere near that, nowhere near of that caliber ever since he's. Ever since um that Super Bowl run, I mean right. the 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 inability to bring in consistent, uh big time players and the inability to uh to to bring in help around Aaron Rodgers, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is what's stopping him from winning Super Bowl from winning uh, a number of Super Bowls over the years. I mean the, the you guys, let's face it, the organization has basically said, oh if we have Aaron Rodgers, if we have Aaron Rodgers, we're we're, we're going to be relevant for years and years to come. Well, relevant doesn't win you Super Bowl titles. Not when teams are actually out there uh, lobbying to get get big time players, lobbying to get offensive coordinators like a Sean McVay or a Matt Nagy's that are very creative and 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 have the ability to to mix things up and 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 shock, and shock a defense here and there and go on a big time playoff run. It's not going to be that. It's not as simple as just oh Aaron Rodgers. No, no, no. You need more than just Aaron Rodgers. And when one quarterback doesn't win you, uh, doesn't win a Super Bowl, ask Dan Marino. It, it takes more than just he one, knows. It, it takes more than just a quarterback to win a super to win a Super Bowl. You need the right pieces that, on both sides of the ball and, and all around him. Offensively, Aaron Rodgers can. If you put the pieces around him and on defense, if you put a solid, you don't even have to have a top number one defense for Aaron Rodgers. Have a mid major defense that that can force turnovers that that can put that that can give that can give him great field position. And Aaron Rodgers has shown in the past. What he can do, he can capitalize off that every single time. So I think the inability to to draft the right players and to put the right players around Aaron Rodgers over his career, especially after that Super Bowl run, is what's plagued him from winning another Super Bowl. And and when it comes to the legacy of Mike McCarthy, with 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 what with what has been coming out about the play calling and stuff like that, this this that could possibly be a stain on his legacy. His his inability to get creative and his inability to innovate and adjust to the new NFL that we have right here. And and, and there's always going to be what ifs. Right. I've always said, right. I've always said, Mike, you know, owner Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, what they're doing to Aaron Rodgers out there in Green Bay is malpractice. You know, is 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 malpractice. You're not giving them a running game. When was the last right. time Aaron Rodgers had a running game? I mean, maybe Ryan Grant back in the old James days. Starks I mean, in the playoff room. They yeah, James Bowl, that's Starks. About it. Yeah. That's that's about it, and that Super Bowl run. James starts uh, since then. You know he, he's had um, Ty Montgomery as a tight end or or, or wide receiver, right. whatever he is, be running back. I mean, 
they haven't drafted well at that position. They've given them weapons on the outside. That's about it. And, and a couple of tight ends with Jermichael Finley and Martellus Bennett. Other than that, um, uh, you know, you have to give them credit for Jordy Nelson drafting them. But other than that, they haven't really given them a substantial defense. So I've always said that, come on, all of those years, I, I kind of relate to Aaron Rodgers' career to Peyton Manning's career, only winning one in Indy. You know, Peyton Manning, he might go as one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the regular season. All of those statistics, all of those out, I mean, eye-popping numbers right. in the dome. And he only had one chip. Why? Because that one year he went to the Super Bowl, remember he had a, a prime year Dwight Freeney, a prime year Robert Mathis, and a defensive player of the year safety in um, Bob Sanders. Right. You know, what have they done since then? They haven't given Peyton Manning no type of defense to offset what he does on offense. Yes, he had Dallas Clark. Yes, he had Reggie Wayne. Yes, he had Marvin Harrison for the last couple years of his career. Um, you know, then you had the Austin Collies of the world. Right. You had uh, Pierre Garçon. You know, uh, it, it, the greatness of Peyton Manning, he's going to make anything work. Look what he did in Denver. Right. So you, you look at Aaron Rodgers, and, and you really can't say, can't really bother his career. I mean, Drew Brees is about to be 39. He's only got one. As great as Drew Brees is, first ballet Hall of Famer. Yep. You know, it took Peyton Manning until he was 39 to retire into the sunset in Denver to get a great defense with Von Miller and those cats out in Denver by John Elway. You see, better ownership than Indy uh, to get him a defense to win a ring. And and to be honest, they won that ring for him. I mean, that was a deflated Peyton Manning at that time. Yep. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers, do I see this his last ring? No. I mean, he's, he's talented enough to get that. Yep. Let's hope that the new coach that's there right now ability to get him some surrounding pieces as for a running game and defense as well. Because, I mean, you do not want to waste the prime years of Aaron Rodgers. You don't. And, and for Mike McCarthy, it's going to be hard to get another head coaching job with, the, with that mentality that he has. Because, like you said, this is a new age in NFL where, I mean, some of the play calling has been just absolutely creative and innovative. And, oh, my goodness, it's off the wall right now. And this isn't, this isn't right. old school type. This is a new age, a new era. And you have to adjust on the fly. You have to adjust if you want to continue to keep pace with other coaches and, and keep pace in this game. And if you don't, then, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're stuck in the old, old school ways, then, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be tough to get another job. It's going to be tough to get another job from McCarthy. And this, this is why I've always credited Greg Popovich in the NBA. You know, he started off with uh, David Robinson, the Admiral, and drafted Tim Duncan back in the 90s, late 90s, 97 through 99. They won a chip there. Then he went a guard play because we saw in the early 2000s the Kobe Bryant's of the world the Allen Iversons the T-Max that was going to be the new evolution of guard play he drafted Ginobili uh, Tony Parker 2003 they continue winning chips every other year in 2003 5 and 7 and then you saw in the modern age now where there's four and spacing mm-hmm. and, and you have to get wing players he drafted Kawhi Leonard Green on a trade Exactly. So you saw what what the greatness of an old school cat like a Greg Popovich, who may go down as well, revered as one of the best coaches mm-hmm. ever, kind of morph his system, morph his offense in San Antonio. Obviously, they won the ring in 2014. Kawhi Leonard being a, the perimeter defender, the, the how the game is being played now. You need cats that can play multiple positions. And now he's got L.A. and DeRozan now. Um, get you guys that are more individual scores you right. know he, he goes from a team system to not individual players that can get their own right so you i think that mike mccarthy hasn't had that type of you know he, he hasn't adapted to what the nfl has done and so i think you really got to take a playbook from from greg popovich there there's no doubt man and, and you know this is popovich when we're talking about that you know, he doesn't like that. He's come out numerous times and said, I don't like the three- <laughs> Unfortunately, there's not a lot points. of Popovich's out there. He said, right? he said, I can't stand the three-point line. I can't stand the three-point game. It, I, I, it just makes me sick. But the, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the era we live in. You know what I mean? Uh, Mike right. McCarthy might not like the, the, the new age of play calling, the new, the new uh, creative creativeness. He might love that old-school mentality. But that's, but that's what the NFL is now. You know, it's, it's it's not it's not something that you can control. So it's either you're gonna adjust to it, or you're gonna you know, or you're gonna be on the back burner. It's up it's up to you. 
Definitely there. We'll definitely keep an eyes closed for Aaron Rodgers. And as this story develops in the articles and new investigative and creative things come up about the Rodgers and Mike McCarthy relationship in Green Bay, that has been separated. And for all of the news and anything sports related, the best tandem in the business, myself and Michael Gray, is, brings it to you. And remember, hotline 877-453-7329. That's right, 877-453-DIAL-7. If you want to chime in in any of these topics. And this was the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. And we'll see you guys next time. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.